Welcome everyone to the official first episode of ISPM Talks. I am your host, Marcella Hoffman Moto. ISPM stands for International Sport Management. We are a three-year sports studies Bachelor's of Arts program, part of the Faculty of Health, Nutrition and Sports at the Hague University of Applied Sciences. We teach at the beautiful sport campus Alder Park in the Dutch city of The Hague. And despite our home being in the Netherlands, our program, as the name says, it's international. Therefore, everything is taught in English, and so will be this podcast series. I am one of the teachers in the program. My subjects are sports sociology, sports media, public relations in sports, and some of the research classes as well. I am also one of the PR coordinators for ISPM. My background is in journalism. I was a reporter for over 10 years in Brazil, where I was born and raised. Nearing my 30s, then I moved to the United States for a master's in sport management. And after that, I went to Canada for a PhD degree in sports sociology, which I haven't finished. But then I ended up moving to the Netherlands and I found myself discovering a new profession, teaching, with which I have fallen in love. All right, that's enough about me. Let's get to the reason we are here. ISPM Talks will focus on chatting with everyone involved in the making of the ISPM program, which is fairly new. Our first year was 2017, and in 2020, we saw our first cohort of students to graduate. So therefore, it is only fitting that we kick off the series talking to one of our graduates. In today's episode, I am chatting with Jake Van Sile. Jake was always a fun student to have in class, and we were all very proud of him when his thesis was chosen as the best within our faculty in 2020. So the conversation will be his journey from the beginning of the program to where he is now, and it is a quite exciting one. So let's get to it. Hi, Jake. Hi, Marcela. How are you doing? Good. Long time no see. Long time no see, indeed. (laughs) Yeah, September, right? The graduation ceremony. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's like a month ago or something. Yeah, it's insane. Oh, my goodness. But let's go back in time. So you were part of this very first ISPM cohort, the pioneers, (laughs) starting in 2017. I know some of you were not very fond of being called the pioneers, but... The fact was that it was the very yeah. first cohort. So how was it uh, for you? How did it feel for you to be forming yourself together with the forming of a new program? I mean, um, it was, to me, it was a, was a cool experience because you actually see, obviously there's disadvantages to it too. I mean, uh, the, there definitely was stuff that still had to be figured out how to make the lessons and everything and, you might have heard this from many other students in my cohort, but actually I thought it, it was nice to see, you know, it's just as if you're in a startup company, basically. You see everything grow from the start and uh, yeah, like that you also understand, like I want to be an entrepreneur later. If I want to be an entrepreneur, I have to go through the same kind of stages. So it was actually something you can take a lot of lessons from. And my philosophy always is you can either when something is not perfect, you can complain about it or you can try to see the, the positive sides of it. So for me, it was really cool to, to see it grow and um, different experience definitely than, than what I expected. Um, but yeah, uh, I think everybody, like nobody in, in none of the teachers thought, oh, we're going to make this something that, that will not succeed. 
you know what mm. I mean? It, it, yeah. it was always supposed to be great. So yeah, then you have to just trust that people yeah, do their best. And I think everybody did. And it was nice, a nice process. Yeah. And I hope that all the, the, the students after us, they, yeah, they, they, yeah, they experience something what is, feels more finished maybe, or feels yeah, yeah. that they're on the right path. What are your fondest memories uh, within those three years uh, in the program? Well, I like that we had a lot of hands-on experience. So I like that we uh, could do a lot of stuff in practice. Uh, I would be very frustrated straight if we would have only done theory all the time. So uh, yeah, to get the opportunity to do a minor or internship, another internship, and then obviously the, the graduation internship, and really be prepared for like the actual working field that that felt good then that's nice and in general that that's one highlight that i would like to say is all, all the internships so at some very different internships mm-hmm. um like if you compare them to each other and yeah to to end up in a society like a mini society of, of internationals uh, was was very nice too so that that's another highlight to to be able to communicate with other uh, cultures so i grew up in the hague amongst mm. uh, very different uh, cultures too with a lot of uh, yeah if you know if you know the hague there's there's a lot of cultures there basically uh, so i grew up in the in the midst of that but to actually have people also coming in from other countries was was very nice and very yeah, very big learning for me yeah. <clears throat> Cool. Okay, so then now you're in year three, and then it hits. Oh my God, I have to graduate <laughs> to find an internship. Uh, yeah. I think in your case, because you already had the connection with Heroes, maybe that made it. Were you really going for that internship with Heroes? Was or you, did you look for other internships? Uh, well, actually, it started. I was part of the Hague Royals, the the team what is now playing in the Zuider Park, the basketball mm-hmm. team. Uh, at that time and I just reached out to them like I want an internship somewhere and I want to uh, you know get some experience in basketball so maybe it can help you out afterwards after my internship so this was September start of the year because we had the minor or internship period Um, and they basically yeah connected me to heroes and and I said okay let's do this because it's one of the best teams in the Netherlands and uh, yeah, I could I could do a lot there and, and make an impact in a club which is already that well established. So I thought, yeah, for me it was a no-brainer to stay there. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, so then you're starting your internship linked to your thesis and then, boom, Corona hits. <laughs> yeah. And everything is put on pause. So what happened yeah. then? Um, well, again, this is the same as what I said about the, the first year of the program. There's people that can that start complaining about everything and there's people that say, okay, we're going to make something of it. And luckily I was with a lot of the, like the other interns, but also the, the, the employees that work at Heroes. They all have the same mindset. Like, yeah, there's no time to just sit back and, and don't do anything. We, we can take this time to improve ourselves. And then the customer journey was actually perfect because it was something that was not that well worked out before. So it was something that I could really start focusing on. And and because now they felt like, okay, we can improve this. So next season, when the, the fans come back again, 
we can give them something real, something spectacular. Obviously, that didn't happen the way we wanted. But mm-hmm. um, for me, like from the perspective of my graduation, I I, I took the right uh, subject basically. Yeah, yeah, because, because it, it became more relevant actually. Absolutely. Now we really miss the fans. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and I was reading your thesis. So Hans sent me one copy of your thesis. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was reading and it's, yeah, it's really, really great. And I was like, I'm curious, were you working, which department were you working? Well, basically it's very, it's a very small uh, back office or front office there. Mm. So uh, there was one guy, the operational manager, basically. Uh, there was one dude, the marketing manager, and then there was me. And because I was actually, I was for longer already with the club. So I was mm. there for a previous internship too. Oh, okay. I actually had a lot of responsibility. So they made, they put me in charge of the actual events. Um, so I actually, I had a lot of uh, like knowledge or not knowledge, but I, yeah, I saw everything. Yeah. And I, I, I knew how everything went. So. Yeah. I couldn't say I cannot say I was with a department, but if I had to say it, I was like event, yeah, yeah, event manager or something. Yeah, absolutely. But I was also thinking, well, maybe he's also working with the PR department because it's all about communicating with the publics, right? And in your journey with the fans, and uh, and I was like, oh, I wonder if it was yeah. the PR department. I just tried to get as much as information from different angles as I yeah. could to yeah. make it just well-rounded. Because I think if you only uh, look from it from a marketing perspective it will be a very one-sided so and only from an event then you know if you would only look from it from an event perspective then you would have all like all sorts of glitter and glamour but but maybe the, the event itself wouldn't be that good or the, the the preparation or whatever so your thesis was chosen to be it was chosen as the best of the faculty of health nutrition and sports so that's yeah. I mean, yay, ISPM are a first cohort. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to say that it, it was kind of crazy to me because the, the whole process basically like, because I had that much, many responsibilities within the club, I was really doing a lot of work too. So I was not only doing the, the graduation, but I was uh, supervising other interns, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was <laughs> a lot more than, than just writing the thesis. Yeah. So actually like, I think two months before I had to to hand it in, I, I was talking to Hans and I said, I know, I mean, there, there's so much in my head, but there's just not much on paper. So he said, yeah, now we really have to start right now. You know, you, you, really, you really have to start uh, putting stuff on paper now. And then, yeah, I didn't expect it to, um, to you know, it felt in the end as if all the pieces from the puzzle fell together. Mm-hmm. This is something I, I really didn't expect. I, I think two weeks ahead of the deadline, I said to Hans, Hans, I'm not sure if I have to hand it in because I want to deliver something good. I don't want to deliver something which is like, yeah, it, it could be better. And he, and then he said, yeah, you know, just keep pushing for the last two weeks. And then I think, yeah, five, six days before the deadline, I was like, oh man, this, this actually, this is actually coming together quite nice. So then uh, I handed it in, but the the, the grade on itself was crazy and then hearing that it was the best from the faculty that was something yeah super unexpected but but real real nice nice to yeah, yeah get rewarded like this i read it and everything fits everything makes sense there's nothing really missing there mm-hmm. um so yeah good job i think w- working under pressure <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <works for me. laughs> yeah b- because it made this much 
sense because I obviously I read it myself too. And at one point I was just like, maybe it's just, I don't know if this is a saying in English too, but we say kicking in an open door mm-hmm. in Dutch. So basically maybe it's, it's too logical, you know, it's, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it was good apparently. So it yeah. was nice. And this yeah. is something that I, I liked um, on your thesis that really popped to me uh, when you were explaining design thinking, which was one of the methods, um, the importance of empathy and design thinking, right? To the understanding of your public. And then what did you learn about focusing on this external public, the fans of the organization? What did you learn from that? Do you think that there is, there are some somehow undervalue perhaps in organizations? Because it's kind of a given that we're going to have fans. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I believe that without fans, there's no sponsors. Why would a sponsor uh, be part of this this organization if there's no fans there? Like, let's say I own a, a shop for tools in the city of Den Bosch. Uh, why would I sponsor the club if nobody's actually watching? That's just a waste of money for me. So the, the fans, in essence, put pressure on sponsors or they, they make it more interesting let's say to sponsor a club and and that's something what is overlooked i think mm-hmm. within the organization where i was at i cannot speak for other organizations obviously but you have to always yeah see it from that that perspective like it's it's something sponsors cannot do without fans and fans cannot do without sponsors and between those two then afterwards comes the media Because if there's a lot of fans and there's a lot of sponsors, so a lot of money and there's a lot of good players, then the media comes and say, okay, this might be interesting. So I think those two need each other. And if those two, so the, the, the fans and the sponsors is a, yeah, is a good match and it, and it's growing, it's, it's booming. That leads to something bigger and something better. Mm-hmm. Just sponsors is not good enough. Yeah, no, absolutely. What I like is, okay, so now let's focus on the fans. Let's give them this journey, you know, the moment they purchase a ticket, they enter through the door and by the time they leave the game. So let's give them this experience that they will remember. But you, you, you can see that there is, there could be some neglect is such a tough word, but yeah, let's call it neglect for now. Uh, Because as I said, okay, we are a um, team that is very famous and they have the fans coming so they don't put on the effort on, mm-hmm. on the fans. And, um, and I like that you know, perhaps because Corona allowed, gave you the time to really, to okay, let's pay attention to that. So how was it when you presented your recommendations uh, based on what you've learned uh, to, to the team and Will it be adopted or, or what, what do you know? Do you have inside information about that? I think to some extent it will be used. I'm, I'm still in good contact with them. So I hear some stuff and I actually see some stuff happening, what I recommended. So that, that's definitely good to see. Um, but I think uh, that's something that will keep happening is sponsors. If you have one sponsor, it might bring in a couple of thousand, 10,000 maybe when you really made a good deal with a hundred thousand euros and one fan just brings in 10 euros an evening. So it's easy. It's, it's very tempting for a club to keep focusing on the sponsors. It's, uh, it's not, not weird at all, but I think that stuff, what I recommended to them to do, 
to not focus on getting new fans in, but retaining the fans that you already have, or even making a person that came once into a fan, because that's mm-hmm. something you're not a fan after watching one game. You're not a fan after watching two games, but you're a fan after coming a couple of times and then you see, oh, this is actually nice. And you start, you know, uh, getting a connection with players or with even the logo or with the merchandise or with whatever. But you're not a fan after the first time. So instead of focusing on getting new people that have never witnessed heroes before, start looking at, you know, getting those people to actually come back more often. That's something I think they, they will definitely try to do more. Um, also, what I've seen now to, like, for instance, they're, I think, now giving uh, home boxes before games to, to fans just to feel make people feel like they're part of the, the organization. Yeah. Uh, so I, I see something back, and I hope that it's because of my recommendations, but even if they, they came... Uh, with the idea, uh, apart from my thesis, it's still a good thing. So I'm happy yeah. to see that it, that it's going well. Yeah, I've worked uh, a long time ago in Canada. So I did uh, work as, um, yeah, what's it called? It's not usher, it was something, well, it was host. So whenever the, the venue would have either concerts or hockey games, I was working there just to get some extra cash while I was studying. Mm-hmm. So I would be sometimes at the door scanning tickets or by the bleachers, you know, showing people where to sit, but there mm-hmm. was nothing special there, no kind of special training that we received in order to, to give that experience. It was just about controlling them, making sure that everything was working fine, but nothing is special. And, and there's so much room for that, so much potential, even if it's just having a chat with, with, with the fans coming in and, and, you know, so they remember that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think there is some kind of undervalue there with the fans. Yeah, a nice example, actually, is the, the last game before COVID. We said, okay, we're going to make... It was the only game, I, I, mean, I believe, that we had on Sunday that last season. And we said, we're going to make it family day. On Sundays, mm. a lot of families are off. People are, like, the kids are playing football or basketball or whatever on, on Saturdays. So, on Sundays, they should have the day off. Mm. And we completely branded it in Family Day. We made sure people could get a how's it called face, face paint. Yeah. Face yeah. Uh, before the match, um, there was like marvels because they're called heroes. So uh, there were Marvel posters everywhere, and it was just the whole experience uh, was already branded before. And then obviously we did it too. Uh, the, the face painter actually didn't show up in the end so I was the one doing the, the face painting which, which <laughs> is real funny but also good that you have this connection with the fans mm-hmm. and um, I think we had 95% of our capacity in the stadium that, mm. that day and that was more yeah, than, than ever in the season so uh, and what I think is that the people that came that day they will for sure come back we didn't do uh, unfortunately anything like we didn't collect any data if they liked it or if they will come back mm-hmm. except for their email addresses. So they, they, they might get an email like, come back, please. But, yeah. um, but I think the people that experienced that and really got the connection with the people that were working there and with the players, because the players were still allowed to go into the, the bar to talk to, to the fans, basically. Mm-hmm. I think those people that came that day, they, they will definitely come back. Or at yeah. least, yeah, that's what I expect. 
Yeah, yeah, let's hope so. And uh, I mean, it's the age of social media, right? So if you give them that experience, a positive experience, they're going to talk yeah. about it on social media. And then, yeah, it will get to a point that more people want to, yeah, I want to have some fun and go to a basketball yeah. game and, and, and enjoy a few hours of yeah. entertainment. So. It, it was a shame because we felt like we had the momentum. Mm -hmm. And that was literally two days before lockdown. I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's re really a shame, but uh, yeah, at least that's in the memory. So whenever yeah. things are back to normal, and speaking of things are back to normal, so talk about your involvement with uh, events in these crazy times with Corona proof events. What what have you been doing regarding that? Um, so I I actually I got a they offered me a job after I graduated. Um, but soon after I quit for, yeah, some mostly financial reasons, which is obvious because there's no income or less income through events, what I was basically doing. Mm -hmm. So I said better to, to, yeah, part ways. And then actually in the end of December, I got a text message. Jake, we, we filled in a bid for the, the FIBA Europe Cup. Um, and we got it which means that eight teams are coming to Den Bosch to play uh, yeah, the, the, the group stage of the tournament, which meant, I think, yeah, 70 trainings and like 12, 12 games, 12 games over a time span of six days. So that was kind of uh, a lot. Yeah. Uh, and they said, yeah, we kind of need some extra expertise with this. And since you know the Massport well, since you know the club well, and the Masport is the venue, uh, since you know the club well and know everybody around the club well, uh, we would like you to have a short comeback. So I said, sure. I mean, this is not something I'm going to pass up on. Yeah. And um, so I was basically doing the logistics and actually the, the event, uh, all aside from marketing, was, was my responsibility basically uh, together with the team of course but it was uh, yeah it, it was that was really special and then uh, uh, all the, the COVID tests and everything to make sure this runs smoothly um, yeah it was a big organization and actually some some students from two us were involved as well but uh, yeah it was a cr crazy but really really good experience because mm. I mean uh, it's maybe the hardest event I ever hosted due yeah. to all the regulations and, you know, FIBA officials so the, from the Federation actually came by to see if everything was good uh, to the point if there was a refrigerator in, in each uh, room and, and all this kind of stuff, if there were enough printers. So all like there was a, a book of regulations, I think 80 pages long and we mm. just had to make sure that every bullet point was ticked off. So yeah, it was uh, Oh, it's crazy, but but really good. I can imagine because nobody could ever prepare for something like this, right? And then you, you're fresh off your studies, and then you get to get this experience. So now, um, yeah, whatever comes, <laughs> um, you can do it. But I, I imagine the responsibility, you know, because it's health, you know, it's something serious. So to make mm -hmm. sure that the, the 
bubble or whatever it's being called, um, people are, are are sticking to the rules and, and keeping safe. And if not, then you're out of the bubble. <laughs> and the, yeah. So. yeah, and the hardest part about it is the, the human nature, basically. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, people have been in this situation for the last, yeah, at that point for the last nine months. And everybody's kind of fed up with it. There were teams from Greece. There were teams from, well, Belgium is close, but Russia. Like, if I would come in from Greece and I would be, they were literally in the center of, of the city here. I would be very tempted too to just mm-hmm. have a short walk. To just have a have a look where where am I actually? But the only thing they were allowed to see was the hotel, the bus, and the venue. And from the venue, the bus, and the hotel. So there was nothing in between. And and the hard thing about it is to make everybody feel that it's actually a necessity and that you're responsible for each other and each other's health uh, to to yeah don't break the bubble basically. Yeah. Yeah. That that's the hardest thing, and there in that's when I noticed that intercultural communication <laughs> we talked in the first year so important, so important, so important. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Andrea will be happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah, I know. In the in the first year, actually, Andrea uh, felt like I wasn't taking it too serious, ICC, because I was like, oh yeah, I I got this. I mean, I can communicate, but this, I want to say. Hereby, thank you, Andrea, <laughs> for the <laughs> lessons. Because uh, I have to say, communicating to the like, I was communicating with the team manager most of the time. Uh, the difference between a Belgian and a Greek mm. team manager, it's like, yeah. yeah, here and there, it's like complete opposites. But yeah, yeah. no, yeah. fantastic that you're saying that because it's it's something that I myself learned as well moving. To different living in different countries you know how brazilians are compared to how canadians and how dutch are so mm-hmm. uh yeah it's important to learn that and i wish i never had intercultural communication classes in all my studies i wish i had because yeah i learned by force you know because yeah. you make a mistake and then you learn yeah. from it or somebody makes a mistake towards you and you have to clarify instead of just mm-hmm. yeah i'm not talking to you anymore no just clarify you know misunderstandings happen because of that but uh yeah it's great it's great that you say that and one other thing that you just referred a, a little bit back when yeah the officials are checking the refrigerator checking this this and that and how detail oriented you have to be and take care of that it makes me think oh yeah so that's when i was annoying with you forgot to put the page number with the quotation marks in the in-text citation there it is. So that's why we bug with the little, yeah. little details on APA, for instance, because yeah. it forces you to be very, <laughs> very true. we're not compare, but yeah, it's kind of focusing on, oh, why, why does it matter? You know, the, yeah, nobody matters. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully <laughs> the students will take I, that. Okay. I, I, I didn't think about it this way yet, but, but maybe, maybe it's true that unconsciously I took a, took a yeah. lesson from it in this way. So, all right. So in addition to that, uh, you have a job now. So you're working mm-hmm. with as a field sales manager. The, the company I'm working for is Macron. Macron is uh, based in Bologna, the headquarters. And they have a store in Derne, close to Eindhoven in, mm. in the Netherlands, which is where I'm working from. And I got in contact with them because they are the apparel uh, partner for Heroes. And after I left the club, we got in contact 
and they basically said, yeah, we need somebody to uh, yeah, manage the, the sales over here in, in Den Bosch. They also have another, so they have two sides. They have sportswear, which is Macron, and under their private label, let's say, hands-on workwear, they have uh, company clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, and because they are already well-known within Heroes as Macron, at Heroes, I am now hands-on workwear, but for the rest of the world, I am Macron. I have to say that I obviously I like sportswear more because sports is where, where my heart's at. Um, but definitely also it's creating teams, basically. Yeah. Also, if you're uh, selling something to a company, you're doing it because you want to give people the feeling that they are team, mm-hmm. like team building, belonging together. Um, so in that essence, it, it's the same for me. People relate to sports. So yeah. whatever you go do after your studies people will always relate if you say oh i studied international sport management i never heard somebody said oh that sounds boring everybody says that sounds cool and uh the fact that we got a lot of experience and uh that we heard a lot of examples uh from sports perspective i think that will always help us to connect to other people yeah because everybody has a sport what they connect to i think Yeah. If anything is a great icebreaker. Yeah. <laughs> on I a mean, conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I studied sports. Oh wow, what what sports yeah. are you into? Or yeah. yeah. It's, it's it's easy. And I think um if you're able to take the lessons that you learned within sports and uh you can implement it on a broader view, mm-hmm. then I think it doesn't matter where you end up. No, absolutely. I completely agree with, with you. Um, so how different was to, to, to adapt? So you went from events basically to sales. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you, were you paying attention to sales classes? As well? <laughs> how, how was it? It was just <laughs> for me. I put you on the spot. <laughs> yeah. For me, it was just uh, opportunity. Now I was always interested in sales and also when I was, hosting the events at heroes i was always looking for ways to make extra buck basically mm-hmm. so i think it was always it was always there mm-hmm. uh, but it was not but also events was something I, i basically i rolled into it because it was the the opportunity at that point at the, yeah. at the organization um so i i was paying attention in sales class for sure <laughs> <laughs> more than ict but <laughs> in the end it turned out okay um But it's something I, I I was doing sales before, like in a part-time jobs during the mm, study as well. Yeah, so, yeah. so it's more natural, I mean, a more fit, more natural fit. Not a perfect fit, but a natural because you had that experience before. And uh, yeah, 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 maybe. And and actually now I see that the, some of the stuff what I did for my graduation paper that I I am naturally growing into a a, a certain role that mm. I am starting to to put these things in practice at Macron as well. So that's, yeah. that's nice to see. Yeah. And, and, and as I mentioned earlier, when we were talking, like I could see elements of PR in your thesis, even though you weren't linked to a PR department, there were a lot of, you know, this communication with the external public. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you were getting all these experiences that we have in, in blocks 
you know, yeah. you, you get a class on PR, a class on sales, a class on ICC, but in the end, when you're there working, it's all mixed, it's all together. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah that's, that's very cool. Very interesting. Yeah, that, as I said before, later, I would like to be an entrepreneur. I would like to have something like my own company, mm -hmm. whatever it will be. So I think to have some experience in events and in operations, to have some experience in with PR, because now I'm also doing the marketing actually and the communication. So I'm actually also kind of PR. I'm a bit of uh, everything, nice. let's say. That makes but me happy. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. It's nice. But uh, to, to have a, yeah, to see everything and to have some experience everywhere, I believe that it's good to, to be a generalist, to be yeah. okay at everything, because that means that, you know, what if I would be very good at sales, but I cannot do anything else? Mm -hmm. And there will be some technology that completely, uh, yeah, undermines basically what I can do and or is way better at making sales than any person in the world, then you're screwed. Yeah. And yeah. by being able to do a bit of everything, I think you're, you will always stay relevant, or at least that's what I, what I think. Uh, Jake, so to finish off, Mm -hmm. this conversation so ispm we mm -hmm. have this vision that we want to make the world better through sports and and in order for that to happen we want to form students with critical think thinking uh we want them to be game changers so not just accept the status quo but think about how can you improve how you can change from your experience what do you think it means to be a game changer in the sport industry yeah there can be so many ways to impact and I think for me, personally, um, I, I feel like I'm good at connecting people together. Um, and, and that's, yeah, kind of what was, I think, seen in my graduation paper as well. Uh, for me now, if I try to put it in the mold of what is the, the job I'm doing now, I want to create inclusive um yeah, inclusive environments around sports clubs now. And it might be a bit, it, sound, it might sound a bit strange because I'm just selling apparel to some people. Um, but the, the fun thing is we have quite a lot of clubs and they are also rival clubs. So we have like 10 football teams and they're from all the villages around Dernan basically. Um, and instead of them being rivals, we want to, them to be part of the, the Macron family. We don't, want, you know, we want everybody to be, yeah, to feel that they're included in something. Um, that's also why I love basketball, because basketball is a sport where it, yeah, what is very inclusive in my my opinion. Today I actually went for some basketball outside, and then you see all sorts of people playing together, and that and that's what I like, and that's what I want to, yeah, help with, connect people. Uh, through sports, through apparel in this case, or yeah, mm. yeah that, that's for me what what I how I can be a game changer. Yeah, and and I love that because uh, yeah, when we're thinking about clubs and you know, it's always about the rivalry. Um, but let's leave that to the to the field. You know, outside, why can't there be a, this cooperation mm -hmm. and this same mentality and you know this doesn't have to be a friendship but things in common you know uh mm -hmm. i i come from a city uh in in brazil porto alegre which has two 
football teams and you if you're one you hate the other there's you know yeah. <laughs> there's no and why does it have to be like this it doesn't have it shouldn't be like this right so mm -hmm. on a it's... on a very small scale we have the same thing happening in in Derna, in the village where the, mm -hmm. the store is located there's two teams on the um, same complex on the same they have the same field basically no. one is yellow and black and the other one is blue and you're either yellow and black or you're blue then yeah. there's nothing in between Yeah. And that's something I'm actually uh, writing a marketing campaign now, uh, which will, I think, launch somewhere in the summer this year, where we want to make all these people come together in a certain way. Um, so actually, it, it's, uh, it's starting to some extent already. And, and I would like to have all these people in the same picture, in the same, you know, in the same... Yeah family and in the same group it's something what we have been hinting towards already but it's just going to be something bigger during it. yeah no and i love that as i said and also what you did you know with, with the customer journey for for the fans uh that's also something as i said they are a bit undervalued in your organization so it's important mm -hmm. to change that to give that for, mm -hmm. for a lot of these people uh that could be the highlight of their day you know they i don't know what kind of jobs they have but it might be very difficult situations that they have and then going to a game is the relief yeah, their relief Yeah, yeah. Exactly. so give them a, a, an experience worth remembering. Um, yeah, then it's worthwhile for sure. Mm -hmm. I agree. Jake, thanks so much. This It's yeah, so good to catch up with you and to, to listen to your story in more details. My memory of Jake is... So I started teaching. Uh, you guys were in the beginning of second year, so I started year, with Sport yeah. Media. And okay, I don't know this group. I, I, yeah. So, and then you have to do the TV show, you know, the, the news program. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then you're hosting like a super Hawaiian kind of style, <laughs> hosting the TV program. And I was like, okay, I like that. I like that. So I'm getting to know Jake now. So that was my <laughs> memory. And I have those, I still have those videos. So, nice. uh, pretty, pretty, it was fun. It was definitely fun. Uh, yeah. It was it was very very nice to be part of this uh, journey, as we mentioned before, of ISBM, and I, I really really hope. And I already talked to some of the students from the, the like next years, and what I see now is that it's it's growing, and that's important. It's yeah. not definitely. I, I don't think the program is finished, uh, nor will it ever be. Probably, that would be boring if it would be finished at some point. Exactly, because yeah. the world changes, and so should the program. But I heard from the the students in the in the upcoming years that that they're happy. So that's the the most important thing. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Jake. Especially, I hope that our current students will get inspired by his journey. During a study, there's always ups and downs and questions of why am I studying this? And I always say, hang in there. There is a reason why you're studying this. For our potential new students, I hope this gives you a little insight into what we offer. And for our teachers, I hope you are proud of your achievements in such a short period of time. And speaking of our teachers, we will definitely have them here as well. In fact, I've already done an interview a couple of months ago. 
At the time, it was only supposed to be an exercise for me to show it to the second year students who needed to produce a podcast themselves. So that conversation with my colleague Helmin Rambaldo uh, will definitely be here. So I will get back to that one, do some additional editing and soon repost it in here. For now, take care and stay safe. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>